My name is Rooster, and this is my towel. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and I am your host. I'd like to thank Rooster for reminding us uh, we have until December 24, 2012 to get our towels in order. So uh, y'all make sure y'all get those cleaned and pressed up, and uh, you might want to throw in your favorite bathrobe. Alrighty, uh, let's first go to the Frapper map. Uh, we've had uh, several folks sign up since our last episode. We'd like to say hello to Randy, KE5, Juliet Victor Hotel in Rogers, Arkansas. Welcome aboard, Randy. Uh, John, AK5Z in Harlingen, Harlingen Texas. Uh, John, uh, John will be joining us for uh, the interview portion of, uh, of the show uh, during one of the future episodes. I'd also like to say hello to K5ALO and N5ALO, Roberta and William down in Austin, Texas. Okay, the winner of the Hard For Me To Pronounce Award this week is we have two new listeners in Fort uh, Hawachuca, and I know I mess that up, Arizona. The uh, unidentified listeners this week are... Uh, uh, in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Uh, glad to see you guys signing on. Uh, really uh, heard a lot of good stories about Saturn up that direction. Orlando, Flor Orlando, Florida, Indianapolis, Indiana, Biloxi, Mississippi. Got some Texas going on. College Station, Texas, San Marcos, Texas, Far, Texas. Uh, we also have Salisbury, Maryland. Two new listeners in Dublin, Ireland. Ah, looks like Australia's starting to lose out because uh, uh, England and Ireland are, are pulling up the slack. We have two in Albany, New York. New, one in Newport News, Virginia. One in St. Louis, Missouri, the gateway to the west. Portland Orchard. I hope that's right. Portland Orchard, Washington. Two in Luton, England. And one in Springfield, Missouri. Glad to have all of y'all uh, checking in. While we're on the subject of Frapper Map, let me, uh, let me go ahead and throw this in there. When you guys sign up for the Frapper Map, uh, y'all been doing real good about uh, putting in a name or a call sign or something like that, but we are starting to get so many pins on the Frapper map, at least in the United States, that it's getting kind of difficult to tell the difference between the ones that are new and the ones that have been there for a while. So uh, I believe there's a place where you can uh, just go ahead and drop a short email when you sign up on the Frapper map, if you could do that, that would help me out immensely. 
that way I would be able to, to make sure that I don't miss anybody. Okay. Uh, let's see. Email. I'm going down my list again, y'all. While I'm uh, hunting for the next item, let me go ahead and uh, tell y'all that, uh, well, I got it here. Uh, email. We received an email from one of the guys that uh, signed up on the map this week, and uh, I asked him a question, received this one back, So, and it's got a little bit of in information in it, so uh, we'll go ahead and read it. It says, Hi, Richard. I've been a ham for almost a year now. I've been interested in radio since I was a kid. I'd uh, been on 11 meters and SWL for a long time. Well, let me tell you, I have lots of fond memories myself of uh, sitting in the dark watching the tubes glow on that Halicrafter receiver and uh, listening to international broadcasts from other places and uh, dreaming the dreams that children do. Uh, says I finally got on got some time on my hands and wanted a new hobby so I decided to take it up meaning ham radio I'm sure I've been enjoying it very much I just wish I had the money to buy had all the money I need to get all the equipment I'd like to have I'm slowly getting one piece at a time well yeah I understand that when I first got on the First got licensed, I, I had a handheld. Now I've got pieces of equipment all over the shack. Uh, okay. Uh, you mentioned software to do your interviews with. Does Echo Link work with Linux? Yes, uh, well, yes, kind of. Uh, there's a program called Qtel, which is a uh, an Echo Link client that does operate on Linux. Uh, I've been checking into I've heard of another one and I've been checking into it but yes Echolink does you can use Echolink with Linux uh, if so that might be might work for your RF podcast and uh, we have worked currently worked out the problems with the uh, interview process and I'll get to that uh, uh, later on in this seg segment I'd enjoy a Linux episode and you mentioned as you mentioned about doing. I use Windows OS but have a spare desktop. I've been thinking about putting some version of Linux on. You could inspire me to do just that. Uh, thanks for the RF podcast. I'm waiting for the next one. 73's Randy KE5JVH. Okay, well, yeah. I think I've probably led some, misled some of y'all. Uh, we still do use Windows in the house some places. The computers that I use back here in the in the in the radio room uh, do not at this time. Well, I can't say that completely. I have one laptop that has a copy of Vista on it, and about all it's good for is maintaining my my iPods. Uh, gotta have my podcasts. <laughs> uh, however, they're, my wife and my boy are both using XP. And uh, come think of it, I'm currently doing battle on one of the uh, forums at one of the other uh, podcasts about uh, operating systems. However, if you do have a spare, uh, spare uh, computer in your radio room y'all might want to check out ubuntu u-b-u-n-t-u or fedora 7 
It's my understanding that you can get both of them in a live CD, so you don't actually have to install them to be able to check them out. Uh, you know, you can run that live CD and kind of see how it's going for you. Uh, there was another one called Harv's Ham Shack Hack, which uh, I have an older version of and haven't been able to find anything newer on, but I'll get back to that. I'll get back to that, y'all, with that. Okay, update on guess and system. Alrighty. Uh, we are not, we are as 100% as we're going to be for the time being. Like I told y'all, and I do apologize because uh, all the hardware, stuff like that, uh, replacing stuff like that, and uh, all this other comes out of my pocket. I don't, I do not have, well, that dies into the next one. I do not have sponsors. I do not charge a subscription. There's a lot of uh, podcasts that are going that way now. I'm sure y'all don't want to listen to commercials, and I'm sure that y'all don't want to pay a fee to, um, uh, uh, help support the podcast here. Um, but as it stands right now, we're at the point that we're going to be able to start interviewing single guests. We are not going to be in a position for a little while to have two guests on at the same time, simply because of the way the system is set up at this moment. But, uh, I have emails out. I have people that are currently looking at program material to come on the show as guests. Uh, one of those is the Linux uh, guy. One is uh, one of our new sign-ins on the Frapper map. John, I was talking about that a while ago. Uh, he's going to come on and talk with us about the official observer program when he uh, gets a chance. And we are working that direction. Okay, let me bear down on uh, the sponsor thing. We do not have sponsors. We do not run commercials. We are not actively pursuing sponsors because there are a few places out there just happy as happy can be to get a, get a spot in on some of these podcasts because that's extra inexpensive advertising for them. Once again, we are not actively looking for them. We do not have them. If I have anything to say about it, we won't have them. The other side is there are uh, some of the... Uh, podcasts out there in different genres have found out that they can have a short free episode every week then add a longer episode and that longer episode and maybe a couple of little short ones to go along with it and charge a five dollar subscription fee and everybody's trying to jump on that wagon right now we will not do that unless I get an overwhelming amount of email saying that it would be something that would be appreciated. But because of all this, I do ask y'all to go over to the blog page, click on that donation button for pen pal and drop a dollar. I mean, we got 200 and something people on the frapper map. If everybody went over and dropped a dollar in over at PayPal once a month, once every other month, then we would be able to upgrade our equipment. We would be able to, uh, uh, when we have to pull back and redo all the stuff that we've had to do over the last six or six or eight weeks to get this thing back to where it was, it would we can accomplish it faster. 
because once again I can only upgrade and throw money in that I don't have to have to run my house to take care of my, my family okay alrighty we done that and y'all know I hate doing that Jerry Lewis thing but uh, I really would appreciate it if some of y'all would go you know one dollar US you can't even buy soda for that or at least not uh, not full-grown soda of course most of us hams drink light sodas because it cancels out the other stuff okay frapper map email we did that okay the next one I am looking for co-host I would uh, really appreciate uh, having someone to share their idea my ideas and their ideas with on the podcast uh, I've been batting it around in my head for a few weeks now some of the podcasts I listen to uh, in fact most of the podcasts I listen to have at least uh, two hosts and it makes for a more dynamic and uh, entertaining show so uh, if any of you would be interested in uh, being a co-host on Resonant Frequency the Amateur Radio Podcast or even if you'd like to help do some of the background work uh I, you know, I don't talk much about uh, the work that goes in behind the scenes. You know, most of the editing and uh, on-air on stuff I do myself. Um, in fact, I do all of it myself. But you add, uh, you add having to make contact with folks for uh, to try and schedule interviews and going over and uh, maintaining the websites, the Frapper Maps, uploading files. Uh, all this other good stuff <laughs> and uh, it becomes quite involved and um, most of the stuff that I would even need help with can be done for remotely uh, you don't have to be in Texas you don't have to be in the United States to be help out uh, I'm sure y'all have noticed my lousy show notes <laughs> over at the blog and uh, that's part of the reason because I really don't have the time to be able to do proper show notes for the show. I would uh, dearly love to have more informative show notes for y'all. Okay. Last buzzword. Okay, this week we're going we have the uh, last installment of Don's Don W9VE's buzzword. Uh we haven't received any more from Don and the system I had set up where I could record it off of the local repeater here when he's doing it uh, before the race season nets every other week uh, is not functioning because I have something else going on with that machine which requires that hardware so uh, for you folks in the Dallas Fort Worth area y'all go on down to the 146.880 repeater and uh, get a hold of W9VE and tell him y'all want some more buzzword on the podcast here and uh, he ought to be able to get that to you Okay, what else do we have? Why ham? Okay. Uh, I myself have noticed here, at least in the DFW area, that uh, the ham clubs have kind of gotten, well, that was polite, wasn't it? Three, four. Have gotten kind of uh, where they really are not as friendly as they used to be. And what I mean by that is, is... Uh, you get on your repeater, you got a brand new call, you throw it out on the repeater and nobody will answer you. 
or you walk into a local club meeting, you go in, you sit down, and uh, you sit there for the club meeting, and then you get up and you go get in your car, and nobody's bothered to come over and shake your hand, say hello, uh, anything. Haven't even looked at you and smiled or waved. And I've noticed that at uh, two or three of the clubs in the area here. I won't list them because I really don't need the flack that I would take off of that. But I'm kind of curious. Some of you folks that are not in the DFW area, uh, I'd like to hear from y'all and uh, maybe see if it's that way in your area. I mean, uh, does your club, does your local club make a point of uh, greeting, saying hello to uh, new folks when they show up? Do uh, you acknowledge upgrades when they happen uh, from people inside and outside of the club? You know, uh, even if they show up on the repeater, do you try and make a point of talking to them for a while? You know, I myself have <laughs> have uh, picked up on quite a few new call signs on the repeater from time to time. And, uh, you know, there's a lot. We are a varied bunch, us amateur radio operators. And uh, sometimes you can't shake folks that are the first one you talk to. You're the first one they talk to loose with a stick. However... Uh, I'd like to hear from y'all on that. So, now I have mentioned donations at the blog page. Let me give the blog page address. That is uh, KB5JBV, Juliet Bravo Victor, at, no, Kilo Bravo 5, Juliet Bravo Victor, dot blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T, dot com. That is where you can find the current donation button for Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. I ha I'm working on updating my personal website, and I will try and get a button over there also because it's much easier to find because my website is www.kb5jbv.net. Okay, the Frapper map can be accessed through the blog page, so y'all go on over there and stick a pin in the map. Uh... My email address for any of the things that I've mentioned that uh, y'all would like to email me on is kb5jbv at gmail.com. kb5jbv at gmail.com. Okay, uh, at the end of the podcast, I'll give y'all that information again. And... Uh, We'll run over some of this stuff real quick, maybe a couple of things. Uh, oh, yes, before we go to Don, let me go ahead. I did get some information on some ham fests in. Okay. Let me see when they all are so we don't call one off. It's done happened. Uh, only see two here. Maybe I chopped one off. We'll get it back in there best we can. Okay, the first one is the Central's, Central States VHF Society 41st Conference, July 26th through 29th, which will be happening in a day or so. And that is being held by the Roadrunners Microwave Group in the city of San Antonio, Texas. If you would like to find out more about this particular ham fest, go to www.csvhfs. Let me do that again. 
Charlie Sierra, Victor, Hotel, Foxtrot, Sierra, dot O-R-G, Stroke Conference. Or contact Paul Goebel, ND2X, Stroke 5. And uh, you can get a hold of him at his email address, which is ND2X at ARRL dot net. The next one is one of the big ones here in Texas. That would be the Texas State Convention down at the Austin Summerfest 2007. Uh, that would be sponsored by the Austin ARC and the Texas VHF FM Society. Oh, man, it hurts to say their name. And you can find out more about Austin Summerfest, which will be happening August 25th. Uh, yeah, August 25th at www.austin summerfest one word dot org that's austin summer fest f-e-s-t dot org or you can contact who are we contacting joe makeever w5hs and his email is w5hs at you guessed it a dot net okay now that we've uh run our heads as long as we can run them well, let's go ahead and get Don queued up here and uh, I guess I'll see y'all in a few Thing. 
If you're using Handy Talkie and you want to join a conversation or you've got a report to make, uh, ask for an audio report or a signal report first and then use that report. If they say you have uh, low audio, then speak up. That's one of the problems with Handy Talkies. If the uh, audio is too hot, then the best thing to do is hold the Handy Talkie higher, uh, not only further from your mouth, but also higher in the air. Because the higher the antenna, obviously, the, the more energy is going to get to the repeater antenna, and the less will be absorbed by your body and your head and, and so forth. Um, another thing about handy talkies is their antennas take a lot of abuse. They're the rubber ducks, and they get knocked around. So one of the things you sometimes hear is popping sounds uh, when someone's using handy talkie. And the thing to check if you get reports of a popping sound is to check your antenna. Sometimes that little bitty connector, or a little bitty conductor rather, in the center of the BNC connector or SMA connector gets enlarged because of the pin of the rubber ducky keeps wobbling around in there and eventually pushes it out so it's not making constant contact. Uh, that can be fixed with a sharp pin and a little bit of patience and maybe a magnifying glass if you're over 40. The best results with a handy talkie uh, are obtained when the antenna is vertical, straight up and down, because that's how the repeater antenna is supposed to be, with the antenna as high as possible, with the antenna away from your head, because your head absorbs some of the RF. That may explain some things. Also, it's important to know where the repeater is located, because if you hold the handy talkie uh, between you and the repeater, in other words, toward the repeater, there'll be less absorption and you'll have a better signal into the repeater. Um, low power is acceptable. Some white noise is expected. Uh, one thing I've found, if you can get a battery pack that uh, uses the AA rechargeable batteries, like you can buy at Fry's and other places, Walmart, it's a very good idea to get one of those. They're not cheap. They can cost, uh, oh, I don't know, half as much as, a, as an actual battery pack with real batteries in it. The beauty of it is that you can buy those uh, AA rechargeables uh, up to 2 amp hour capacity, even more, at least so they say, for about a dollar a piece. So if your battery pack uses six batteries, for six bucks you've got the equivalent of a brand new battery pack that you can carry in your pocket. Uh, take the six uh, cells out that are in there and put the six new ones in and you're ready to go. So you're not spending 50 to 60 bucks to get those same six cells or in a, a different package that just happens to snap right on. So look for that. I've got a W32 and uh, there's uh, several companies that make battery packs for them and those are really good. An antenna, uh, you need a good antenna for a handy talkie because of the low power that they've got. Expensive isn't necessarily good. I've got a uh, prime antenna that uh, was pretty expensive, gold-plated, and it's miserable. Uh, I think about the best antenna that's uh, especially for 2 meters, also works for 440, it's one of those 18-inch flex antennas. It's a thin piece of spring steel, uh, about 18 inches long, and it's usually covered with PVC uh, shrink uh, tubing or something like that. And um, that's almost a quarter wave on two meters, so it, it loses a lot less power in heat than, uh, say, a rubber duck does. A rubber duck is a first cousin to a dummy load. 
The other thing, though, <clears throat> when you're trying to get better coverage, you got to watch out for the long, rigid antennas. Uh, I happen to have one. It's a half wave, and it telescopes out to, I don't know, at least at least three feet. I think more than three feet, uh, almost four feet. Well, that's great, except you put that on the BNC connector, and it's like having a huge lever. Uh, matter of fact, I know someone who was using an antenna like that on the handy talkie, and accidentally uh, someone pressed on the antenna, and it actually ripped not only the BNC connector out of the handy talkie, it ripped some of the coils and some of the RF parts out, and resulted in a big expense for the repair. Had to go back to the factory. So, those are the things. Uh, the cardinal sin, trying to use a handy talkie in a car with a rubber duck. Uh, always get a mag mount or something that'll go outside the car. And in a lot of cases, a handy talkie is adequate for use around town, uh, even out maybe 10, 15 miles if, if you've got a 5 watt handy talkie. So, a handy talkie, it's not a toy, it is a tool, and it's certainly not uh, the best rig going, but it uh, can be very useful to you if you know how to use it. W9VE here. about uh, dipole antennas. Uh, we uh, forget from time to time that resonant frequency, the uh, amateur radio podcast, is primarily in the business of conveying information not only to the amateur radio community at large, but uh, more specifically to those that are, are new to some things or uh, might be considering checking out other aspects of the hobby that they haven't really checked out before. And what brought dipole antennas to mind is the fact that I heard a statistic not too long ago, and it may or may not be uh, uh, skewed a little bit, that one out of 20 amateur radio licensees, people that actually go get their entry-level license, actually gets on the air. That's one out of 19, and that means, or one out of 20, that means the other 19 never get on the air and probably go the 10 years of their license and never even key up a radio, and that's pretty sad. And now that we have all these new generals out there and uh, even the new uh, amateurs that have taken advantage of it, and there all, may all be a, maybe a few of y'all out there that are chomping at the bit to get on HF. Now, getting on HF, uh, that right there, is something that can cause enough frustration and aggravation that uh, not only will y'all never even key up a, an HF radio, you may just throw your hands in the air and give up the whole thing. But don't do that 
In fact, uh, uh, I can guarantee you it's not as hard as you might think. So, let's talk for a few minutes about the dipole antenna. You know, uh, the aggravation that goes along with getting on HF has to do with, uh, you know, most people want to go out and buy a $1,000 radio, four or $500 worth of tower, a $300 or more HF antenna, a rotor if it's a beam, and they listen to some of that propaganda out there that says you have to have feed line for HF that has zero dB of loss on 10 gigahertz, and that's not the case. In fact, uh, you know, some of the feed lines that folks say are really crappy work pretty doggone well on HF. And considering that the vast majority of HF operators have never owned or ever will be able to own an amplifier, means that there's a whole other world of possibilities out there. So let's dig into this just for a moment because the dipole is the simplest tool to have in your arsenal. Chances are, if you've been on there for any length of time, you have most of what it takes to build one. And in fact, some of the things it would take to build one is pro are probably laying around your radio room. Now, let's talk about wire a minute. Um, you know, there are different schools of thought. Softer wire, stiffer wire... Uh, single conductor, multi-conductor, stranded wire, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, I've used all of the above in, at one time or another. Uh, I prefer to use stranded because it'll give you a little more, uh, a little more capacity due to skin effect than um, a single conductor would. But anyway, I'm straying off the path. Um, let me say something about balance before we get going too. Um, some people will tell you that it's impossible to have a dipole antenna without a balance. That has not been my experience. So let's let's start at the beginning. Look around your radio room and find yourself a PL259 connector. Even better, find yourself a piece, a PL259 connector that has some coaxial cable attached to it. The length is not really important at this point in the discussion. So now you have that PL259, a piece of coax, and now you need some elements. So look around, see what you've got. Now, we were talking about wire a while ago. And stranded, solid, whatever you want to use. Uh, I had a 40 meter dipole that I had in the air at one time, which was made out of lamp cord, uh, zip cord, the brown zip cord you can buy down at the hardware store. Uh, I originally made it as an emergency deployment antenna. 
something I could take with me and race these drills and that kind of thing. And when I moved into the house that I was am in now, I had been off the air for some time and wanted to get something up in the air so I could get back on HF. Well, I put that 40-meter uh, lamp cord antenna up, uh, got, got it stretched out, plugged in, and started working the 40-meter uh, national traffic system and Aries nets here in Texas. And at the time, I was moving an awful lot of traffic on HF. And from time to time, the net controls on the uh, actual NTS net here in Texas would accuse me of running an amplifier. Well, except on uh, VHF and uh, higher, I have never used an amplifier. I have one sitting here in the shack. I've just never gotten around to plugging it up to a radio. They would accuse me of running an amplifier on my 40 meter zip cord antenna. And I don't remember what gauge wire zip cord is. I think it's 22 gauge or, or 24 gauge somewhere. And it had no problem handling 100 watts and it was resonant across the voice portion of the 40 meter band. So where dipoles, everybody tries to make a mystery out of them, they're not that difficult. In a perfect world, you would have a number 10 or number 12 wire, and I'll say something about wire diameter in a minute. You would have number 10, number 12, at the very least number 14 gauge wire. You would have... Uh, a piece of ladder line or twin lead running from the dipole to almost where your radio was. Then there would be a ballon. Then there would be a short piece of coax. And then it would plug into your tuner or the back of your radio. The legs would be properly positioned between 120 and 60 degrees. And it would be a full quarter wavelength above the ground. At natural actual ground not uh, above the surface of the earth which is is different in some places but it's not a perfect world and if you really want to get on the radio then sometimes you have to make a few compromises a lot of folks run dipole antennas in their attic uh, nowadays with Tenants association or neighborhood associations and covenants and uh, deed restrictions and all that other good crap, which I would never let anybody tell me what I can do on my property. Um, a lot of folks have to run in, put an antenna in the attic, and a dipole is really good for that. So, you got your piece of coax, you've got your wire, um, and everything else. Say you found yourself. Uh, you found yourself some number 18 or number 14 speaker wire that you had hit off someplace. So now you got to make that antenna. Alrighty, well, you attach the connector to the coax. And at this point, you have to 
get the size of your elements. So, what we're going to do about getting the size of the elements is, there's a simple formula you probably learned when you were studying for your technician exam. 468 divided by the frequency in megahertz will give you the length of your, of your wire for a half wave dipole in feet. Uh, guys overseas, uh, you guys in England, Ireland, uh, Portugal, Africa, unfortunately I'm not up on the metric system, therefore uh, I really couldn't tell you what it is in meters. I really <laughs> I really got kind of got in a hurry in putting this this information together and uh, I will have to dig in and get you all that information at a future date. Anyway, so <clears throat> 468 divided by the frequency in megahertz equals the length of the element in feet. Okay. Now, you get your soldering iron out, you get it heating up, uh, get it tin, get it ready to go, and at this point, take that piece of wire that you've cut to the length that you got by using the formula to figure the length. Cut it right in the middle. Now what you have are two quarter length, quarter wavelength pieces of wire for the frequency you're going to operate on. Okay, take one section of that wire and strip it back a little bit and then solder it to the braid on that coax. Once you've soldered that piece to the braid on the coax and you've let it cooled off so you do not singe a digit, take the other piece, strip it back, and solder it to the conductor. Now, what you might want to do in the process is find something to attach this feed point to. Uh, I myself have used everything from ceramic insulators to wire ties to popsicle sticks wrapped in electrical tape. The amateur radio operator is inventive and he works with what he's got. So what you have here is your dipole antenna pretty easy from this point on to take it and string it up but you have to decide how you're going to hang this antenna very few people have the room or the structures to put up a flat horizontal dipole antenna okay on 10 meters you're talking about six six about 16 feet above the ground no. Yeah, I guess that's about right. And then 20 meters, you're talking somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 feet. I know on 40 meters, you're talking 35 feet for sure. And so on. That's a quarter wave above the ground. That's where your dipole is going to be most efficient, work most efficiently. However, we've left some steps out in building this dipole, which will work and can be resonant so a perfect world has gone out the window now 
the solution to the space problem in most cases is an in inverted V. Now the inverted V is just a dipole antenna which is hung in a V with the corner the intersecting corner of the V up instead of down. Now in a perfect world you would want to get the angle up in the where the feed point is from 60 to 120 degrees. Okay? Uh, do whatever you can. If it's a little flatter or a little closer together, well if it's a little closer together than 60 degrees, you you probably don't want to you probably want to re-examine that. Okay. Now, if you decide to hang it in an inverted V, the original formula has to be tweaked a little bit. Once you have found the length of the antenna, then you have to make it a little bit physically a little bit shorter. Now people vary on how much shorter it needs to be. The length comes out to be anywhere from 3% to 5% shorter. I always figure mine at five and it's always worked for me. Of course, my installations a lot of times are not exactly optimal. However, it has always worked for me. Now, you may be asking yourself why this specific angle? Well, it kind of comes down to a dipole antenna a dipole antenna hang, hung flat at a quarter wave above the ground uh, sh roughly shows as a 73 ohm antenna. Now if you were to take that dipole and bend it at a 90 degree angle, 90 degrees, then it would probably show up as 36 ohms. Now these ground planes you've seen for uh, 11 meters they present that kind of that they present that kind of impedance now one of the ways we get around this and you see it in a in a ground plane antenna is they will droop the radials well when the radials are drooping 45 degrees then you're talking about uh, basically the angle you need to have on the uh, dipole antenna to get the impedance in the right area. However, if you have to hang it in either of those positions, a, an L shape or a flat top dipole, it will work. Alright, so we've gone over the length, we've gone over uh, the ways you probably need to hang it let me talk about height above ground for a moment. Height above ground is uh, can be important depending on what you want to use that antenna for. Now when I got licensed we were told that it was very 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 bad amateur radio practice to have a 
dipole or inverted V with their feed point less than a quarter of a wavelength above the ground which is all fine and lovely but if you have a 75 meter dipole that means you need to have it uh, I believe it's 60 feet in there not practical for most installations I myself have had 40 meter antennas at 30 feet which is a little bit short of a quarter wavelength and they have worked absolutely fine I, fine I have worked uh, DX on them in, into Europe uh, northern Europe down into Africa a uh, couple of Mideast stations back the other direction uh, into Japan and Australia perfectly wonderful now my 75 meter dipole that I had in there at one time I worked Croatia and Japan and Australia you know pretty much the same places however it was only 30 feet off the ground and it took advantage of what uh, folks are calling nowadays near vertical incident skywave or NVIS back when I got licensed we called them cloud warmers because the closer that antenna is to a gr the ground the uh, closer it is to the ground below a quarter wavelength the higher the radiation angle is therefore the you tend to pick up stations closer in very well so on 75 meters I had no problem talking the five or six hundred miles into the state EOC in Austin Texas I'm in Dallas the Dallas Fort Worth area and had no problem talking into uh, the EOC in Austin talking to guys in Houston uh, that uh, the guys in Arkansas and uh, Oklahoma without any real problems at all but once again I was also able to work DX on that antenna uh, you know so uh, what I'm getting at at this point is the fact that it doesn't have to be perfect guys it really doesn't at this time I'm running a G5 RV less than perfect I know however it does have the advantage of being able to use one antenna for whatever band I need to use if I have a tuner that will handle it now let me steer y'all away if you uh, have a Yezu which I recently purchased one. I was Kenwood man for years and years and recently purchased a Yezu, uh, I think it's a FT897. Do stay away from the Yezu tuners. <laughs> I purchased a F FP30 with it, a FP30 tuner, which is the tuner that is made for that particular radio. And it wouldn't tune a resonant antenna to save its life uh, I'm really not sure what I'm going to use it for other than a paperweight I had to go purchase an aftermarket tuner which could handle the G5 RV go figure I've been running manual tuners for years so this is my first uh, exploration into auto tuners okay
so uh, I'm currently running a G5 RV. I've had pretty good success with it. I worked New Caledonia on PSK31 with it. I've worked into Luxembourg on Ritty with it. Uh, it's really been doing me a good job. And for those of you who do not know what a G5 RV is, go do a little research out on the web and at some point we may uh, dig into that a little further. Basically, it's a non-resonant antenna which uses another principle which principle which when I got licensed we were told was very very bad practice it has a piece of twin lead on it which on some bands acts as part of the radiator but anyway that's another option for you guys to get on the air the G5 RV because they are inexpensive as opposed to some of the other some of the big commercially made aluminum antennas uh, you can get them from $40 to $75. I uh, don't think I've ever seen one that was over 100 And uh, that right there is a great way to start. I'll tell you right now, you can work the world on a wire in 100 watts. Don't let anybody tell you you can't because I have done it. I have worked many, many places on my wire antennas over the years. I, in fact, I run primarily wire antennas. In fact, um, I've had a couple of commercially made antennas, didn't really care for them. They were vertical antennas, so they were really noisy. And, you know, you find out that uh, people, their groups, it's just like anything else. If you find something you like, you tend to stick with it. Okay, so let's move on to consideration space considerations okay you're in one of these houses that you've made the mistake of letting somebody tell you what you can do on your property and you have to put it in the attic or you have to keep it down below the tree line or uh, that kind of thing well let me tell you um, as far as that goes then you're probably going to have to make smaller antennas and look to improve your uh, situation on the hearing end of it and there's a lot of tools out there to do that with uh, some people are on these zero what do they call them zero clearance lots zero line lots I don't know what they are uh, all I do know is it looks like the houses are butting up against each other uh, some people some of the guys I know are on these lots and they say I could never put up a 75 meter antenna well sure you can it's it's just a matter of do you want to uh there are guys out there that use magnet wire to build dipoles out of and at a distance they're virtually invisible uh you have to make sure that you don't run too much power on them but then again you know you got you guys out there working at psk 31 it doesn't take a lot of power so uh my yard the yard around my house is probably about a hundred feet deep by sixty feet wide. It might not might not be exactly sixty feet wide, but it's kind of close. So, if I want, I can take a thirty foot push up pole that I picked up at the local home improvement center, put it up behind the house using uh, an antenna mass mount, and string my dipoles off that pole. And by doing that. 
and drawing them back to the corners of the backyard, I've got a 75 meter antenna in there. In fact, that's uh, pretty much the way my G5 RV is set up right now because I have the uh, real 100, 102 foot G5 RV, not one of these uh, G5 RV juniors that'll only go down to 40 meters. And it works perfectly well. My dipole is not completely vertical down the line of the pole. It leans a little and it still works extremely well. Um, my 75 meter antenna was stretched out the same way. And at that time I had a 75 meter coming off that was tied off in the backyard. And I had a 40 meter dipole that was uh, tied to some of the trees on either end of the house. So it's a matter of getting it in the air and seeing what you can do with it. Now, uh, let me say a word about balance. You need at some point to start building your antennas with balance. Uh, they do help. There have been occasions when I've had to use uh, balance, and but for the most part, uh, I really haven't had a problem that I couldn't cure with eight or ten turns, eight or ten eight-inch turns of the coax right before it went into the antenna. So balance, yes, are a consideration. Uh, station grounding, you need to make sure the station is grounded. Uh, that will definitely save you heartbreak in the long run. So we've talked about a bare bones dipole. We've talked about getting them in there. We've talked about how to figure the length. But let me tell you all this. Right now at my station, and I will be in the winter months because it gets kind of warm to do antenna work in the summer months around here, but in the uh, fall and winter months, it will be antenna construction and maintenance time here at the beautiful Bailey Thornhill building, high top, uh, a hill overlooking beautiful down, downtown Balt Springs. And we will be doing uh, more antenna work to get things in the air. Uh, 10 meter, uh, you know, I told y'all I haven't used a lot of vertical antennas. I do have a 10 meter Ringo Ranger, and since it's a cycle can't get any worse, which means it's got to come up, I'm going to put my 10 meter vertical back up. Okay, so at this time, I am running a G5 RV. On the 30-foot push-up pole, legs run to the back of the yard. Down on the end of the house, I have a 20-meter dipole specifically cut for 20 meters. And it's up about 20 feet. And, uh, well, just to tell you, it's a minimalist antenna. It's a piece of coax with two wires soldered to it that are cut to... Uh, 468 divided by the frequency minus 5%. It's in the air. It's stretched out at about 110 degrees. And it is made out of speaker wire. You got it. Speaker wire. And I have worked down into South America on it. Into the Atlantic. Out into the Pacific. And it just it works like a hose. I'm telling you. 
and I needed a 20 meter antenna for the Saturn nets is why I built it and had it construction time, installation time and getting on the air with it from start to finish was about two hours. So the underrated dipole, I believe I've touched on every point that uh, I intended on getting to. There may be some that I missed. You can find some wonderful construction materials at some of the online ham radio stores, uh, Universal Radio. Uh, uh, I don't want to say Texas Towers because if I say Texas Towers, then I'm going to have to charge them for a commercial. Uh, ham Radio Outlet, Universal Radio, uh, you know, some of the ham suppliers. You know, most of the online ham uh, stores, if you can buy a radio from them, you can buy parts for a dipole from them. Uh, even Buckscom. Buck, Buck out there, uh, he's got some uh, pretty good balance going on. And there's lots of information out there on the web to build your own. If you go out on the web and type dipole or dipole antenna, I guarantee you, you will have plenty of reading to keep you busy for some time. Okay. If y'all have any questions on this, uh, y'all send me an email at kb5jbv at gmail.com. And for you old timers that uh, are sitting there shaking your head, if uh, you find that I am in error in any of the stuff that I've said, then you go ahead and send me an email too because I want to hear your input. And the next time I talk about dipole antennas, I can add that information. Let me leave you with one final tid tidbit. Uh, I really like to know who in radio over the years have been involved with stuff. And in my research, I did find that uh, of all people, Heinrich Hertz uh, invented the dipole antenna. And... Uh, for those of you who don't know Heinrich Hertz, he's the uh, he's the guy that uh, used to have his name on everybody's radio. At this point in time, he's only abbreviated. Yes, friends, uh, he he is the one that there are thousands of and millions of on your radio. Uh, of course, you'd know him as kilohertz or megahertz. So with that. I think we've pretty much covered uh, as much as we can for dipole antennas in this particular session. And thank you all for bearing with me as I stumble through this. And I really think it's probably about time to move on to the next segment. folks dipoles and uh, handy talkies that's what uh, <laughs> amateur radio is mostly about okay uh, I have been corrected by rooster he pulled out his towel and uh, 
showed me where my date was incorrect. We have until December 21st, December 21st, 2012 to get our towels ready. Okay, I'm going to run through this ham fest list again and uh, see if I can not screw it up near as bad this time. Uh, July 26th through the 29th of 2007 Central States VHF Society 41st Conference uh, sponsored by the Roadrunners Microwave Group in San Antonio, Texas. If y'all want to get more information on that go ahead and uh, go over to www.csvhfs let me do that a little slower. Charlie Sierra Victor Hotel Foxtrot Sierra dot org stroke conference and uh, you'll be able to get some information on that one. August 3rd and 4th 2007 we have the Texas State Convention Austin Summerham Summerfest that's going to be down in Austin, Texas. That'll be uh, August 3rd and 4th. For more information on Austin Summerfest, go to www.austinsummerfest.org. And uh, last but not least, on August 25th, 2007, we have the Gainesville Ham Fest uh, 2007. Sponsored by the Cook County ARC. If you'd like more information on that one, uh, go ahead and email uh, James N5ZPU at jfloyd, one word, at swbell.net. J-F-L-O-Y-D at swbell.net. Okay, let me run over the stuff from the top of the show because we've had a we've had a really long one going on this week or this uh, time around. Uh, we're going to uh, okay donation is going over to uh, the blog page at uh, kb5jbv.blogspot.com. Uh, you'll find a PayPal donation button there. Uh, like I said, any donations are extremely appreciated, and uh, every penny you uh, donate will be put directly back into the production of Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. Remember, we uh, we have no commercials. We are commercial-free and have no sponsors, and I will not go looking for them and... Uh, unless y'all decide you want a subscription service, uh, I'm not even considering plans for that. Go over to the Frapper Map, uh, you new folks, new listeners. Go on over there and stick a pin in, and let us know uh, let us know that you've signed on with Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast, and uh, we'll acknowledge you on there. Please, uh, when you get to the portion. For sending a message to let me know that you've stuck a pen in, go ahead and uh, send me a short message so I know that you're there. The uh, map's getting, uh, the North America portion of the map is getting extremely full, so I know that I'm missing people. Uh, I, I just don't see how I could avoid that. 
We're also looking for a co-host and folks to work uh, work in the background. For Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast, if you want to be a co-host uh, or uh, help with some of the background operations, you know, uh, we're trying some new music, and I'll get to that in a minute. We're trying some new music, and we're uh, trying to find something that sounds a little better than good old Dave. You know, we like Dave, but unfortunately, uh, he gets old kind of quick. And uh, that's the kind of thing I would need help with as folks uh, go over to some of the places and check some music out for me. Alrighty, uh, what else? Uh, a short word about the... Uh, Short word about the uh, 20 meter antenna I was telling y'all about earlier. I forgot to say that it is resonant without a tuner and flat all the way across the band, uh, top to bottom. <laughs> okay, uh, the music we've had this week is, of course, Dave, Midlife Crisis. Uh, a fellow named Dayo, or calls himself Dayo, D E Y O. From over in Croatia, and at the end we have a, we're going to have a piece uh, by a fellow named David Galen. One of the podcasts I listened to used to use this particular piece of music, and they no longer use it. So uh, I'm gonna snatch it up. Okay, the regular obligatory, obligatory stuff. The blog page is kb5jbv.blogspot.com go over there for the frapper map and uh, the donation button uh, which will take you right to the paypal account you can drop it in there any way you like the email address is kb5jbv at gmail.com kbb5jbv kb5jbv at gmail.com y'all go ahead and get in touch with me and uh, I sure enough would uh, like to be I will be looking for y'all to uh, get in contact uh, all the music we played today has come from uh, the Podsafe Music Network uh, Podsafe no podsafemusic.com or .net I don't know. <laughs> it, it comes from one of the Podsafe music sites. And uh, at some point, we're going to be able to get a list of the music played on, on this podcast for y'all. <clears throat> I'd like to thank the, like I said, uh, Midlife Crisis, Deo, David Galen for the music heard on this podcast. I'd like to thank... Uh, the inventors of this fine program for the ability to do the podcast for you. I would like to thank my wife Brenda for putting up with uh, my cop- cockamamie stuff. And you guys get out there and operate those radios. Man, man, ain't nothing like getting on there. And with that, I think I've probably, uh, <laughs> probably bored y'all just about as long as I can possibly bore y'all, so... Until next time, y'all, y'all be safe, take care of your families, and 73.
flesh is bad. 